ever considered farming saffron? Well, this crop could be pure gold for new era farmers. In this week's episode of Farmers Inside Track, we share a complete guide to farming with the world's most expensive spice. Unlocking your growth potential through technology is vital for any new farmer. Farmsell boss Avon Corley unpacks this in our farmer development segment. John Giles, director and managing attorney at Michelson's, gives us the 101 on what every agricultural enterprise needs to become compliant with the new Poppy Act. We discover how Limpopo mixed farmer Karaba Mojana boosts his animal's mortality rate in our animal nutrition segment powered by Furmo Feeds and technical manager Mari Bronkost unpacks the best practices based on Karaba's farming methods. Limpopo poultry farmer Petunia Batole's mantra is When you lose, don't give up. Keep on trying until you get where you want to go. She's been crowned as this week's hashtag soil sister, powered by Food for Mzanzi and Corteva AgriScience. On top of our reading list for those chilly winter nights, a soil owner's manual, How to Restore and Maintain Soil Health by John Sticker. And later in the show, our Farmer Tip of the Week comes from forward-thinking Gauteng rooftop farmer Zandile Kumalo, who's on a mission to turn the concrete jungle green. This is Farmer's Inside Track, supported by Food for Mzansi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 83 of Food for Mzanzi's podcast called Farmers Inside Track. I'm your host, Dawn Numdu, the editor for audience and engagement at Food for Mzanzi. And joining me is Duncan Masiwa. It's great to be back and I hope our regular listeners are as excited as I am about our new weekend edition podcast that kicked off last week. But between me and you, we certainly have a few more exciting projects loading. <laughs> Don't give away all our secrets just yet, Duncan. Okay, let's kick off the show with that promise segment about saffron farming. Our journalist Nicole Ludolf chats to Eric Brown, owner of Karua Fresh in Tosrefir in the Western Cape. Thank you so much, Dawn. Now, Eric, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Hi, I'm Eric Brown. I'm 39 years old. I grew up in a farm near Tozover. I'm the youngest of two brothers. I was very privileged to grow up on the farm, go to agriculture school, and even study agriculture. But that didn't make me a farmer. Life is all about choices. I chose to grow, to go to the UK, play rugby, and study law. But that was short-lived. Reality kicked in. I met my wife, probably the start of my life purpose. I came back to SA with passion. We bought a farm. It was just a life farm that I tried to turn into an economical farm unit. I had vision, I had financial support, I have passion. And we established 25 hectares of plum trees, 40 hectares of onion seeds, 850 sheep in a Karoo. But after 10 years, I've lost it all. Bankrupt. The reason? Reality. Wrong choices, drought, fast and fragile, lack of character. After 10 years, I had to walk away from something I work so hard for. I lost everything, but everything wasn't lost. I had passion like never before. I was given a second chance, renting a farm 25 kilometers from the old farm. This time round, I had experience. Cultivars already tried and tasted. All wasn't lost. 
I start again. Because farming is a passion, this time there was less. We had to do everything with generators, had to drill for water, prepare virgin soil. But this time I applied wisdom and experience with passion. Today we farm with 60 hectares of cauliflower and broccoli, 10 hectares of spinach, 5 hectares of butternuts, 1,400 Doni Merino eaves, and my saffron 0.66 hectares tested that I test all do all the tests and then I'm going to plant another two hectares up till I have five hectares in productions. What do you like most about saffron farming and what do you like least? Farming is a passion is two folks to enjoy it and live it out your passion you can farm in your garden but to enjoy it you have to have passion you have to have an economical unit and you need to have networking and we all have it a phone and through networking, I found the opportunity to farm of saffron. It was affordable, it was doable, not labor-intensive, and it's a flower. So beautiful. Within five days after I putting the first bulb in the soil, the first purple flower showed her face. My kids pick it. Harvesting is like picking flowers. Mid-morning, our family harvests the flowers. You need about five to six people per hectare to help harvest and then pick the delicate deep red stems, drying it in the oven and sorting it. What is there to hate? How can you hate such an opportunity? Then a little bulbs multiplying on their own, another opportunity. The vision for farming saffron on a hectare is about 250,000 to 300,000 bulbs per unit per hectare. Farming is, is passion. It's a wisdom, it's hard work, it's experience, it's vision, it's networking, it's opportunity, it's choices. Toiling doesn't make you rich. Blessing gives you enough. Saffron is a blessing. It's a big opportunity. So grab it. What do you think an aspiring saffron farmer needs to know about the industry? Test it. You only need one square meter by a square meter. A meter by a meter by a meter. Buy the starter pack from Safricon. Planting time is February to March. Growing time is until October. Harvesting is 50 days after planting for about two to four weeks. Watering gives 25 millimeters of water direct after planting and thereafter just keep moist, not too wet, otherwise the bulbs can rot. Maintenance, 100 kilograms of NPK, applied after flowering on vegetative growth. Absence of rain, keep moist. Summer rainfall areas, take the bulbs out and store in a cool dark place and replant February. Winter rainfall with good drainage, good soil, you can keep the bulbs in the soil for four years. Bulbs can therefore, after that being taken out and class the large and the medium bulbs, you can use that for the flower bulbs, and then the small bulbs can be used for multiplying, replant into the soil again. Saffron is versatile. It's a niche product, it's an opportunity, it's a choice, it's a high value, high income, low cost. It's a no-brainer. Just do it. Thanks, Nicole. And great having you, Eric Brown, who is the owner of Karua Fresh in Tosrefir in the Western Cape. From saffron farming to the Protection of Personal Information Act, South African businesses, including farming enterprises, are now required to put necessary measures in place come more compliant with the new Poppy Act. But what does this exactly mean for farmers? We're now joined by John Giles, the Director and Managing Attorney at Michelson's, a law firm specializing in the Poppy Act. Now, I'd like to jump straight into it. In all honesty, you know, it sounds all so complex. 
In plain English, break it down for us. What is the act and what is the purpose of it all? Now, essentially, it says that if you process personal information, you need to protect that information in order to protect people from harm. So in essence, it's not saying you can't process personal information. It just says that if you are going to, there's some conditions you need to comply with in order to do it lawfully. I think maybe the best way of, of illustrating this is actually to look at a few examples because it's a good way of, of understanding why this is an important issue. So imagine a scenario where a farm worker on a Saturday morning goes into town and wants to buy a couch from a furniture store. They want to buy it on credit and they find the couch and they start going through the process. And the store then says to them, sorry, I'm not prepared to lend you the money or to give you the credit to buy the couch because you're not credit worthy. Or it could be that someone has actually stolen that employee's identity and has already incurred a whole lot of credit in that person's name, which then prevents them from accessing further credit. So it means they can't buy the couch. Or the information about that person has got back to the store through different scenarios and results in them not being able to buy the couch. And that's exactly what the Poppy Act's all about. It's trying to make sure that, that that farm worker isn't unfairly prejudiced or excluded from an economic market or from being able to buy the couch. So it's really in a farming context, it's often the farmer or the employer who needs to protect the personal information of that employee so that it doesn't fall into the wrong hands. And that's how they protect them from harm. I love that. And what I'm getting from this sounds like, you know, the act is there to protect you as an individual or as a company or as a farmer. We talked about the act dealing with the protection of personal information. What kind of personal information are we talking about? So it's any information that identifies a person. The typical examples would be name, ID number, telephone number, email address, but it goes broader than that. It's also things like your race, preferences, financial history, all examples. Now, we're not thinking of a farm worker. We're talking about a farmer. A farmer goes to a bank and says, look, I need to borrow some money. I need some money. And the bank says, no, no, I'm not prepared to lend you the money because I know that the land that you have has a very poor yield because I got data from lots of different sources. I've profiled you and I'm afraid I'm not prepared to lend you the money. That's another classic example where the farmer is actually the data subject now. And the farmer is the person who could be discriminated against or prejudiced based on their personal information. It's another good example of how it could apply. You're definitely clearly outlining it for us, you know, as those that are working in the agricultural sector. What should farmers in the agricultural sector know about the Poppy Act? If we look at farmers, it's always important to consider, are you large, medium or small? Because the impact is different in those contexts. And what a small farmer needs to do is a lot less than what a large farmer needs to do. But really, if you think of a farmer, farmers don't process a lot of personal data. They're not like a bank or a healthcare provider. Where the biggest impact is, is that a farmer often has a lot of farm workers, lots of employees, and they've got their personal information. They've got their employees Often it's personal details, but often it's health-related information. Often it'll also be their bank account details because they've got to pay those people. So for farmers, the biggest impact is really protecting their personal data of their employees. Another great example is farmers might pay farm workers and give them a pay slip. And pay slips are like gold to criminals because if I can get hold of someone's pay slip, I can go and get a fast little loan. I can go and buy furniture. It's one of the key components of stealing someone's identity. 
So the farmer needs to be thinking, well, how do I give people their pay slips? How do I know that it's getting to the right person and somebody else can't intercept it and take the pay slip on the way? And now, of course, we've seen you know, farmers becoming quite innovative in the last couple of years. They market and sell their services through WhatsApp groups, email newsletters, and even Facebook groups. With the new Poppy Act, what are the do's and don'ts that farmers should be aware of? If farmers, for example, are selling to a retailer, then there's very little impact on that side. There's on the farm worker side, but very little on, on the customer side, as it were. But the more that farmers start interacting with other people, with consumers directly, then yes, there's definitely an impact because what the Poppy Act's trying to stop is really people being a nuisance and trying to sell their things. For example, what Poppy Act says is that I can SMS you only if you're a customer of mine on an opt-out basis. So if you've bought a cabbage from me before, I can WhatsApp you or SMS you or email you to say, hey, I've got some more cabbages. Would you like one? But I must let you opt out of that communication. And then if I don't know you at all, but I think you really want to like my cabbages, I can only email WhatsApp once to say, can I start communicating with you to sell you cabbages? So they need to opt in first. And once they have, you need to give them an opportunity to opt out every time after that. It's different rules depending on whether somebody is already a customer of yours versus prospect, somebody you don't know at all. Let's talk non-compliance. You know, what are the consequences of not being Pop Act compliant? So for me, the biggest consequence is your stakeholders losing trust in you as an organization. For example, if, if your farm workers don't trust that you're going to look after their personal data and protect them from identity theft and scams, they're going to want to work for another farmer who does look after them. That's an example. And then also, if you're being a nuisance to people by spamming them with communications, they're going to get annoyed and they're going to stop buying from you. You're going to lose customers. If you are unlawfully processing personal data and just being reckless about it, you might not get loans or shareholders might leave. That's the biggie. There's a possibility of being fined by the information regulator, and that's up to 10 million rand. Particularly there, the risk is around account numbers. If you don't protect account numbers of your employees or suppliers, then you could be fined there. I think it's very unlikely that anyone will go to jail. So that's almost off the table. There's the possibility that data subjects could sue you. So, for example, if the farm worker's identity is stolen and as a result, if you, as the farmer don't protect their personal information, a criminal gets that information and is able to scam them out of all their money, then the farm worker could claim damages from you as the farmer and you'd have to pay back to the farm worker the money they lost. So that's another consequence of non-compliance. You mentioned an amount of up to 10 million rand. Does that depend on what scale the farmer is? You know, if I'm a small scale farmer, will I be liable to that kind of money? Does it depend on the scale of the business? Yeah, so there's certain minor offenses which are up to 1 million rand, and then there's some major offenses which are up to 10 million. So the regulator is definitely going to have a look at it and say, sure, this is a small scale farmer. I could find you up to 10 million, but I'm actually going to find you 20,000 rand. And that certainly is going to happen. But there are actually very few criminal offenses. It's big things. Like I mentioned, the failing to protect account numbers. But then on a smaller scale, it's things like if you need to get prior authorization from the regulator and you don't, it's a criminal offense up to a million rands worth of a fine. There's a lot of noise about information officers. And every farmer, every single body has an information officer by default. And it's really the head 
of your body. If you're a CC or a company, it would be the managing member or it would be the director, the MD, whoever is the head is the default. And that person needs to be registered with the information regulator. And then there's a very small group of people who need to get prior authorization. And I don't think any farmer would need to get prior authorization. So really the only practical thing at the moment would be to register your information officer. What's your final word of advice you know, to farmers? Don't panic. Don't let this issue stress you out. You've got a hard enough time as it is running a farm and just farming. There's so many things to consider. This is a minor issue compared to everything else. It is important and you want to be protecting any personal information that you process in order to protect people from harm. But really deal with some of the important things, but don't let it stress you out. Don't panic. You're not going to go to jail. And to a large extent, it's common sense. Just keep thinking in your context and put yourself in their position. So would you like to get the SMS you're about to send to a thousand people offering you cabbages? Would you be interested? So test it that way. If you were a farm worker, would you be happy if your employer did that with your personal information? If you feel you wouldn't be happy, then you shouldn't do it. Thanks for joining us, John Giles, Director and Managing Attorney at Michelson's, a law firm specializing in the Poppy Act. We now change gears and move the discussion from the Poppy Act to farmer development. Farmsol boss Aaron Kole explains how new farmers can unlock their growth potential through technology. Aaron, Farmsol is doing a lot to make new technology more accessible. Why is access to new technology so important? To break out of the poverty trap and farm on a commercial scale, you know, farmers need to adopt the latest technology. This includes using mechanization equipped with modern technologies. In my view, mechanization should not be about the size of the equipment or the biggest tractor, but about the technology that allows a farmer to be more precise, efficient, and safe. This is what will really ultimately result in increased you know, farm profitability. Secondly, it is important, considering the rising demand for food production, to produce as much food as possible in a short period of time and as efficiently as possible. In this instance, the use of technology can assist us achieve this. You'd be aware that climate change brings about higher production risks, including shorter windows of opportunities to plant. Therefore, the farmer must have the necessary technologies to monitor the crops. Ideally, this should be done remotely in the comfort of your seat, and I think it's possible, and apply the necessary preventative changes precisely where the change is needed before a huge damage can occur at the farm that can really cause the farmer a whole lot of money. What are the issues limiting the adoption of new technology? Perhaps you can highlight some of the challenges also in this regard, especially for new farmers entering the sector. I think especially for new farmers, the farmer education level and the age play a huge role. But I also think the high cost of technology together with low or slow returns on investment limit the quick adoption of technology. And I mean, if one looks more specifically at smaller farmers, these farmers already live from hand to mouth with expanded social challenges, you know, putting limitation on the ability to reinvest profits back into their farming operations. You know, therefore, really, if you say that this farmer would now need to also take their funds or their income and buy farm-based technology and mechanization, this still then remain a far-fetched dream for most smallholder farmers. These are some of the challenges that one would, would like to highlight. And it's really not that some emerging or smallholder farmers would not embrace this technology, but there's really certain challenges and barriers that do exist for them to be able to adopt these technologies. And keeping all those challenges in mind, do you think that farmers are equipped with the necessary skills to make the best of the technology they have access to? 
if they do not get the funding to be able to acquire it and they have everything in place to be able to make use of it, do they have the necessary skills? Most often, no, really. And I think this is really one area that really needs attention because sometimes really it's easy to provide a lot of solutions such as funding or even mechanization or whatsoever. But the beneficiary or the smaller farmer is able to really get the best out of it really becomes a question. And the question of skill then becomes the most imperative. I don't think most often the farmers have some skills and the farmers are not really equipped with the necessary skills to use mechanization with latest technologies. And therefore, really, the drop and go cannot work for smallholder farmers where you just have a service provider who then just implement this technology and just basically go. The mechanization companies should invest more in making training much more accessible to smallholder farmers. Whether this is for new or second-hand equipment, it doesn't really have to be just new equipment all the time. Second-hand equipment can also be used and therefore, the adoption of new technologies should form part of a farmer's bigger growth plans and broader farm business objectives. So it should really be incorporated into the long-term plan of that particular farmer. Thank you so much for your time once again, Aaron. We appreciate your inputs and definitely a long-term thinking around smallholder farmers, but also just in the agricultural space and specifically around unlocking growth potential through technology and mechanization. Thank you once again, and we look forward to our next discussion. Thank you, Don. Agriculture is not just about farming, it's about caring, and that's an ideal worth preserving. When your family doesn't settle for anything less than magnificence, give them the best with Magnificent Maize Meal. On the field or in the classroom, Magnificent helps your family perform magnificently. Magnificent is a product of VKB Group. Visit vkb.co.za or like our Facebook page for more. VKB. For the love of the land. Thanks again, Aaron Kohle, Managing Director at Farmsol. Be sure to check out Food from Zanzi on Fridays as we introduce you to a different Farmsol Youth Ambassador. Next up, we discover how Limpopo mixed farmer Karabo Mojana boosts his animals' mortality rate in our animal nutrition segment, which is powered by Furmol Feeds. Then, Mari Bronkost, the technical production manager at Furmol, unpacks the best practice based on Karabo's farming methods. Marie Karabo Mozana has a good background in agriculture, having grown up surrounded by small-scale farmers and having obtained a degree in agriculture. He now farms not only with vegetables, but also with cattle, sheep, and goats. He likes to use formal maxi blocks to maintain the condition of his animals. Maybe you can start by telling us why is maxi blocks a good choice for someone like Garabo? Maxi block is part of our formal maxi range, which is a range specially developed for sheep and goat production. The maxi blocks, as Mr. Machana correctly stated, are a good source of bypass protein and minerals. It is a great supplement for extensive or semi-extensive farmers who rely mainly on grazing, felt or roughage and require a low maintenance supplement. The blocks provide a healthy dose of rumen undegradable protein necessary to fulfill the used amino acid requirements. This balance of proteins along with its supplemental minerals is what really helps boost embryonic growth and promote successful pregnancy, strong fetal growth and good colostrum and milk production. So Furmol products are molasses-based, which has multiple advantages. In this specific case, it helps with palatability and also promotes feed intake during pregnancy and lactation, preventing excessive loss of body condition during these phases. The maxi range of products are truly versatile and is a great supplement for both sheep and goats in all the different stages of production. 
Thus, it is a single product that can be used for multiple applications. Now, Marie, what are the different products that make up the Furmo Maxi range? And how would you go about selecting this specific product? Furmo Maxi range is made up of three different products, which are Maxible Concentrate, Maxible Ready Mix, and Maxi Block. We also have a pellet choice, which is the Maxible Production Pellets. Choosing the right product for your production system will depend on a few things. The main ones being the size and type of your production system, the mixing facilities at your disposal, and the labor you have available to assist you on farm. So, for example, Mr. Mochana has a mixed system where he has cattle, sheep, and goats. He has multiple labor-intensive responsibilities on his farm, not just his livestock. So he would require an effective low-maintenance solution that will give great results without taking too much time off his hand. So therefore, he has two options that would suit his situation perfectly. The first being the maxi blocks, which he's currently using, and they're easy to handle and simple to use. This product is well-suited for extensive to semi-extensive systems where animals graze throughout the day. You merely have to place the blocks out where the animals have easy access to the blocks as well as fresh water. On the other hand, he could opt for Maxi Ready Mix, which is a meal that is ready to feed, no mixing required. This product works best if you have troughs available and works well in the felt for grazing animals as a supplement, but also in small camps as a supplement or full ration with access to roughage. You require very little labor to handle these products. On the other hand, if you have a large production system with economy of scale on your side and labor available, maximal concentrate may be more suitable for you. This is also a meal, but can be mixed into a variety of different rations suitable for your animal's requirements. This product, however, cannot be fed unmixed like the ready mixer and the block, so you have to take that into consideration. Both the meal products can be mixed into different rations and are suitable for pelleting. So at the end of the day, you need to look at your individual system and decide what would work best for you. You're highlighting that it's definitely very dynamic and obviously can be used, doesn't matter the size of your farm. You can use it whether you're operating with a thousand cattle and goats. If you're at a smaller scale, like you just mentioned, that Karabo is operating. Could you maybe focus on some of the different applications that the product can be used for? There is quite a long list of applications, but the most common uses are for flush feeding ewes and does, maintaining pregnancy, improving colostrum quality and milk yield, and growing out replacement ewes. So it is important to keep in mind that each stage of production requires different levels of feeding, a different balance of nutrients, you could say. So depending on what stage your animals are going through will determine the level of supplemental feeding they require. So flush feeding will require more energy and protein to get your animals up to the right body condition score. This is important to give your ewes the best chance of producing good viable egg cells and give them the best chance of falling pregnant. When maintaining pregnancy for two months, for the first two months, you only have to feed your ewe to maintain her current body weight and condition. At this stage, she still has a lot of room and capacity to eat a good amount of grazing and roughage, so you have to use that to your advantage. So remember to use your maxi block or maxi vol mix accordingly at a lower inclusion. This saves you money, keeps your ewes healthy, but also keeps them somewhat adapted to the supplemental feeding, which will help her adjust better in late pregnancy. So late pregnancy is where your ewes will require the most support and will benefit the most from maxi products. Here she will have reduced rumen capacity, which will limit her intake. But obviously she will have to support her fetal growth and her kid and also start getting ready to produce 
milk. So maxi blocks in the felt will help her improve her intake as well as give her the necessary energy, protein and minerals to maintain a healthy fetus as well as a successful pregnancy. So honestly, the range is versatile and easy to use. The most important thing here is that you use it correctly along with good management practices to get the best out of your use and your animals. Thank you so much, Marie. You've given us great insight and lots to think about. And I'm sure people will take everything that they've received from you today and use it the best way that they can on their farms. Karabo Mozano, also a good example of how he utilized this specific product and also to the benefit and to grow his farming operation. Food Mall produces superior quality molasses-based supplements for ruminants. These products include maintenance, mineral transition, production and energetics, feedlot concentrates and liquid feeds. For expert advice on animal nutrition for optimal production and profit, contact Food Mall Feeds on 032-439-5599 or info at foodmall.co.za. Marie Bronkhorst, Technical Manager at Foodmore Feeds. On top of our reading list this week is a Soil Owner's Manual, How to Restore and Maintain Soil Health by John Stecker. This book is about restoring the capacity of your soil to perform optimally. Food Form Zanzi's and Elizabeth Citizen Journalist of the Year, Terry Ann Browers, reviewed this book and says it will change the way you think about and manage your soil. Hi Dawn and Duncan. In this book, soil health pioneer John Sticker describes in simple terms how you can bring your soil back to its full productive potential by understanding and applying the principles that built your soil in the first place. The author's main objective is to help farmers understand how soil functions so that when they maximize productivity, they do not undermine future yields and ecosystem health. Although the book is a short read of only 108 pages, it is packed with incredible information that will benefit both large and small-scale farmers. In the words of the author, Restoring soil health is restoring hope in the future of agriculture, from large farm fields and pastures down to your own vegetable or flower garden. Thanks, Terry and Brewers. To suggest the next book of the week, simply email us at info.foodformzanzi.co.za. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring, and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food Form Zanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story. You know what time it is. Drumroll please for this week's hashtag Soil Sister, powered by Corteva AgriScience. Lampopo poultry farmer Petunia Batole is known for her go-getter attitude. Besides being a farming force to be reckoned with, she is currently also on a year-long blender development program at the Gibbs Business School. Petunia, maybe you can start by telling us where and how your farming journey started. I've been farming broiler chickens for six years. What do you love most about farming? Farming is being used as a weapon to fight and reduce poverty, to address food security, to alleviate a steady growth of unemployment rate, 
and also to accelerate the economic growth. What I love most about farming is the way in which it addresses a means of support or a living to the nation, local communities, and household level. And then before we let you go, do you have any tips for women who are just starting out in the agricultural industry? Farming is all about entrepreneurship. Being an entrepreneur, it's about taking a calculated risk and responsibility. As a woman, we are scared of taking a risk. However, women have more knowledge, but they don't apply it. It takes time for a woman to reach her dreams due to lack of application. Therefore, you will never know what you don't know because you are failing to apply your knowledge. Once you fail to try, you are a failure. But if you try and fail, you can still improve. The more you improve yourself, the more you can help people around you because each success is the opportunity to help others. Wise words right there from Petunia Butlole, a chicken farmer from Limpopo. Be sure to also read her inspirational story on Food for Mzanzi's website. Also, stay tuned for our Farmer's Tip of the Week from Gauteng Rooftop Farmer Zandile Kumalo. Agriculture is not just about farming. It's about caring, and that's an ideal worth preserving. It's yummy. It's good for you. And the whole family loves it. It's grain-filled chickens, proudly South African and mouth-wateringly delicious. Discover a world of tasty goodness and visit Grain-Filled Chickens for CO Rizere or like our Facebook page for more. Grain-Filled Chickens, a proud member of VKB. VKB, for the love of the land. We've just about reached the end of this week's Farmers Inside Track episode. But before we let you go, Gauteng rooftop farmer Zandile Kumalo is on a mission to turn the concrete jungle green. She now shares her top farming tip for new players in the agri-industry. Nutrition is a basic human right. Hydroponics is one of the easy-to-use farming methods found in the agri-tech space. It also has the cheapest methods that one can use to give people access to nutritious food. Many young people have advanced in learning hydroponics and are innovating systems that can be installed for household purposes. This brings the possibility of farming using Agritech closer to home. Moreover, it shows that the more we involve young people, the more we can know that innovation in these spaces will always continue. The extreme climate changes force us to evolve and innovate how we farm our food. We need to develop more methods of farming that can help us bring nutritious food closer to the people. And Zandile Kumalo's Farmer Tip of the Week brings us to the end of this week's Farmer's Inside Track, proudly brought to you by Food for Mzanzi. Now, for more daily inspirational stories about the farmers and agriculturalists who go above and beyond to feed South Africa, visit www.foodformzanzi.co.za or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Remember, if you love this podcast, please rate it and share it with your friends, family members and fellow farmers, especially your fellow farmers. Farmers Inside Track is available for free on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast, and of course also on foodformzanzi.co.za. From me, Duncan Masiwa, Dawn Numdu, Nicole Ludov, and the rest of the Food for Mzanzi team, have a great week and please let's continue keeping each other safe during the COVID 19 pandemic. 
What joins a continent but its continuous flow over mountains, through rivers, in the rhythm of the land? What ignites its future but the promise to fulfill, to protect and grow? very life of tomorrow. This is why we do what we do under the African blue. Corteva. Keep growing. You've been listening to the Farmer's Inside Track podcast, supported by Food Form Zansi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za.